Chapter 92 Al-Layl The Night By the night as it enshrouds The focal point of this chapter is to answer the following question. Why has God endowed humans with free will and knowledge of the two paths to choose from, one leading to success, Sahada, and the other to wretchedness, Shakawa? The first three verses begin with an oath signified by the wow of oath, and the fourth one is the outcome and response to them. The assertion of this verse is to a period of night during which abject darkness veils everything. At sunset, the sky is dim, but as night progresses, it becomes darker until everything is concealed. By the resplendent and radiant day. These two oaths are taken on phenomena located at the extreme or polar ends, namely brilliant sunlight and abject darkness, not at dawn or at twilight when some of the darkness or light, respectively, still lingers. By him who created the male and the female. God swears by the creation of the male and female, which represent two polar opposites such as thesis and antithesis. Combining these incongruities and differences brings life into being. In the absence of day and night, or the union of the male and the female, uniformity prevails and nothing can be created. What conclusions should be drawn from this? Our deeds, like the contrasting day and night, or the male and the female, are diverse and, as a result, yield different outcomes. Truly, your endeavors are dispersed toward diverse ends. Some people's deeds are luminous, like daytime, while others are dark, similar to nighttime. However, as our deeds are the sum total of our endeavors, they are inevitably an admixture of both good and evil. After taking the solemn assertions, the following verses explore the types of mingled and irregular deeds and their components. As for him who gives generously and guards against evil, is God conscious. The first virtue is to be generous, charitable, and munificent. The second virtue is taqwa, which denotes the ability to guard and restrain oneself from committing sins. In common parlance, it can be equated to applying those internal breaks that enable people to turn aside their lower self's urging to give in to lustful and licentious temptations, become ill-tempered when furious, embezzle funds left in their care, and similar immoral acts. Living in this world means that we are often required to exercise restraint and apply the brakes when confronted with temptations, and must be vigilant and cautious, controlling our soul's negative tendencies and avoiding immoral deeds and attests to goodness and beauty through action. The third virtue, husna, conveys two meanings, beauty and good and charitable acts. In general, good things are instinctively recognized as beautiful. Moreover, that which is beautiful in some aspect is also good and beneficial. Thus, we should strive to revive our own virtues. This verse describes people who not only confirm moral values like taqwa, 
self-sacrifice and generosity, but also those who benefit others through such people's words and actions. According to the Quran, validating these values requires more than words. They must be embraced and sought with total conviction or sadaqa. We will facilitate ease for him. The verse begins with the particles fa, therefore, and sa, in the near future, and the pronoun suffix hu, he, or it, all of which are attached to the verb. Some exegetes opine that this verse means that God will make it easy for such a person. However, the correct translation is that as a result of practicing taqwa, God conditions a person to perform noble deeds without any difficulty. We may wonder how weightlifters can lift such heavy weights. Their regular and consistent training regimes make it to appear so easy and graceful. But is there any other way to accomplish this feat other than long-term consistent and continuous practice? A muttaqi, one who possesses taqwa, gradually learns how to empower the self, to control the lower self by resisting temptation and as such finds it easier to do good deeds. This verse highlights that if a person continuously acts out the three virtues mentioned, generosity, taqwa, and good deeds, they become second nature. These virtues represent the three aspects of one's being that manifest themselves in the following relationships. With other people, we must build our relationship based on generosity, in the general sense of the word, time and talent, and not just in the financial sense. With ourselves, the supreme trait is to possess taqwa, the ability to control our lower self that incites us toward evil, as well as our whims and caprices. With God, this particular relationship must be based on confirming and testifying to that which is good and honorable. To do this, we must reject egocentrism and show that we accept God's honored values by supporting good people with our words and actions. As for him who is miserly and deems himself free of need. In contrast to the people described in the previous verse being generous, others are stingy, bukhul, considering themselves self-sufficient, ghani, and feel no need to develop taqwa. In the mistaken belief that they are entitled to transgress the limits that God has laid down, they allow their desires free reign and thus have no problem with scorning, slandering, and gossiping about others. And reject the best, values, deeds, and concept of ultimate reward. Such people not only verbally reject laws and all that is good, but also display their contempt for them through their actions. We all cherish freedom and engage in sloganeering. But in reality we want to define such terms in ways that benefit us and to determine who will be allowed to enjoy them. Some people stand for freedom because they feel that they have been deprived of it, not because they believe that everyone deserves it. Powerful people who let their opponents express their dissenting views freely have understood the profound value of freedom and justice.
This is precisely why we have to confirm our virtues by our deeds and not just merely verbalize them. We will facilitate hardship for him. Those who deny and reject will soon be heading toward hardship. They are preparing themselves for a difficult future. And his wealth will not avail him when he perishes. Misers do not support religion and other causes because they want to spend their wealth only on themselves. Thus, preoccupied with self-indulgence, they reject moral and divine values and care nothing about what will benefit them in the hereafter. Have they ever asked themselves what use their wealth and possessions will be after they have died? Truly, guidance is up to us. The particle inna is prefixed before upon us to emphasize that guidance is God's exclusive prerogative. And the end, hereafter, and the beginning, this world, belong to us. God created human beings, made earth their dwelling place, and granted them freedom for a short trial period, after which they will return to Him. Those who choose the right path will gracefully enter the groove of ease, joy, spiritual progress, and excellent character traits, and those who choose the wrong path will face dangers, hardships, and obstacles that will hinder their progress. We are free to choose our own path, and God's only role in this regard is to show us the right path and guide us toward it. In other words, He is the first and the last. He first created and then endowed us with specific capabilities, and He will finally reward or punish us on the basis of what we did with them while on this planet. So, I warn you of a blazing fire. Indar means to warn others of an impending, serious as opposed to a trivial, danger lurking just around the corner. God warns that our misdeeds are solely responsible for the regretful, humiliating and disgraceful fate that awaits those who do not restrain their ego. Although we can freely choose our own path, we have to be discerning because following the wrong path will ignite a devastating fire inside each one of us. What kind of fire is this? Fire's intrinsic quality is to burn material objects. But here we are talking about the subjective self, which cannot be burned. Thus, this must be another type of burning. The fire on that day is the one meant in such expressions as burning from within, or burning a hole in my heart. In other words, this fire burns wherever the attribute of burning is present, in which none but the most wretched one will burn. Who will be burnt by this fire? Sa'id, blessed, is the opposite of shaqi, wretched. The former is blessed, receives help, and thrives, whereas the latter is deprived of assistance, benefits, and privileges. Those who are competent, diligent, and obey the rules might receive a bonus or another benefit. Those who ignore the rules and are incompetent 
are called shaqi, for they receive no opportunities or benefits. This universe is also governed by certain rules that favor those who possess taqwa and actualize it through their deeds and generosity. By the same token, those who disregard its rules will begin their journey toward hellfire. Who rejects and turns away? Deniers of the truth reveal their rejection through their words and deeds. Considering these warnings to be nonsense, they pursue their worldly pleasures unrestrained. Not only have they discounted the truth, but they have actually turned their backs upon it. But those who guard against evil will be spared from the fire. Sa'id, people, can gradually place more distance between themselves and the fire by engaging in generosity, taqwa, and good deeds. In this regard, they resemble students who, once they commit themselves to studying, gradually distance themselves from any possibility of academic failure and its ensuing consequences. The one who gives away his wealth to purify himself or to liberate himself from worldly attachments. But who possesses taqwa? Those who generously share their wealth with others do so to avoid becoming misers. The underlying intention, niya, is vital, for it cannot be contaminated by a desire to become known as a generous philanthropist or for other ulterior motives. However, muttaqi people, those who own taqwa, make such donations in order to grow spiritually by purifying or tazkiyah themselves so that they will not be enslaved by their wealth. One's inherent divine seed can only grow and flourish if it is not smothered by the weight of our worldly attachments and anticipates no reward in return for the favor, nor is he recompensing anyone for favors done for him in the past. A muttaqi has no ulterior motive and no expectation of receiving anything in return. Unlike those employees who flatter, honor and revere their boss only to secure a promotion or another benefit. Since all deeds are motivated by one's intention, what could the intention of a muttaqi be? Only seeking the face of his supreme lord. Muttaqi people help others solely because they seek God's face. In this context, face refers to the observable part of that which is facing us. But how does this apply to God, whom we cannot see and of whom we know so little? We can never comprehend God's essence, and all we can know of Him are His attributes. This is precisely what these muttaqi people seek. For example, God is Al-Wahhab, the most generous bestower, so they strive to be generous, or God is Al-Karim, the most bountiful, so they seek to practice benevolence. Their only intention is to manifest his attributes as much as they can without anticipating anything in return. They neither enslave themselves to others nor covet other people's possessions because they understand that people are no more than stewards of what God has bestowed upon them in order to see how well they carry out the divine trust. Thus, they ask God directly for whatever they need for he tells us to petition him 
and no one else. In other words, the goal of all muttaqis is to emulate the attributes of God, upon whom they rely solely and completely. And surely, soon he will be well pleased. What does a muttaqi gain from following this path? We imagine that we will live for a long time and that the hereafter is remote. However, the truth is that our life is passing swiftly before our eyes and, compared to eternity, is shorter than the blink of an eye. God promises that we will soon be leaving this world and that muttaqis will be satisfied and well pleased. This chapter clearly lays out two paths, the path of felicity and the path of wretchedness, and begins by proclaiming two oaths on two different phenomena, namely, that of day and night, and then another one of the male and the female, to let us know that combining them causes goodness to become manifest. Thus, good and evil, as well as virtue and vice, are intertwined and appear together because the world is sustained and completed on the basis of diversity and difference.